Hi guys, welcome to Sometimes in Shambles. My name is Melissa. This is my podcast. This episode is part two of me and my friend Shannon's leaving the church experience. So if you have not listened to part one, go ahead and listen to that first and then come back here. So yeah, we're just going to continue from the first episode. Here we go. Just jump into this. Okay, now <laughs> Shannon's turn. Okay, so <laughs> um, I think my story has some similarities to yours, but is like overall very, very different. Yeah. And also, the good news is that hopefully we won't have to explain as many terms. Yeah. But hopefully, I'll have to remember if there's one we haven't. Yeah. Before you start, I I think one of the things I'm excited about your story is hearing like how Colby your husband plays a part in it because like I'm just curious how it was having like somebody that was also going through it with you and I think that's that might be like one of the biggest differences in our stories and like I'm not saying that it wasn't isolating because it is (laughs) in general um but I'm just like excited to hear how Colby played a part in it yeah and I honestly don't have a lot about that in my little oh really (laughs) but if you have questions just ask okay um okay so I guess we'll just jump right in so um I'm just gonna talk a little bit about me growing up in the church because I feel like it plays a part in what happened later but basically I was also born into the church um both my parents are members still to this day all my grandparents are members both sets pretty much everyone in my entire family is LDS um I honestly can't think of anyone who isn't besides my brother who left um a few years before I did so basically like it was my life like my family my friends everything um I loved church I was very obsessed with it um I was born in Utah, but then I moved to South Carolina when I was in elementary school and spent five years there. And while I was there, I would like always bring friends to church. I um, went to activities constantly. I easily followed the guidelines. Like I remember going on a field trip once and there was iced tea. Like even though we were in elementary school, they were like serving us that. And in the church, like we, like there's the word of wisdom where you're not supposed to drink tea, coffee, alcohol, um, what else like is caffeine. there? Caffeine. Some people believe caffeine in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not supposed to smoke or do drugs. Um, so I wasn't supposed to drink iced tea. And I remember like all my friends were like, oh, don't give that to her. And so like they all made it very easy for me. And um, so it was like really easy for me, even though I was a little kid. So like obviously it would be. Um, so yeah, that's like one experience I remember is going on that field trip. Um, but yeah, so and like I don't know how to make this sound like normal like I feel like a lot of the things I'm gonna say are gonna make me sound crazy like I was like Molly Mormon um but I wasn't like my parents are very open-minded um I was never like very super super strict like I was a normal kid I just loved church at the same time so I moved back to Utah when I was 12 I was still very dedicated all through middle school and high school I remember when I was in seventh grade, I think it was seventh grade, when the prophet of the church, which is like the overall leader of the church, gave a challenge to read the Book of Mormon by Christmas or something, or like by Joseph Smith's birthday. And I didn't start it until December 1st. 
And so I was like the kid reading the Book of Mormon on the bus to school every day. <laughs> like I would read it all the way there, all the way home. Um, I went to every activity. I went to girls camp every year, which is in the summer, all the teenage girls get to go to like a church camp together. And I went every year. That was like my favorite thing it's ever. It's so I fun. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite memories from church. Um, in high school, I had church callings. Um, so there was something I did called Special Needs Mutual, which was like during the during the whole year, you normally have like an, a church activity on a weeknight with other teenagers. So I would do two of those a week. I would do it with my ward, and then I would go to the special needs version of that. And I had like a um, like a spe- buddy with special needs, and we would do activities. So that was my calling for a while. And then my senior year, I was on youth council, which was like there were two teenagers from each ward of the stake, and a stake is kind of like a grouping of wards. And so two kids from each one would join this youth council and we would go around and speak at different wards and we helped plan activities and that kind of thing. So I was part of that. Um, And then also I dated a lot in high school and I was also very, I guess I would say I was very Mormon in the way I dated. Um, For a while when I was a junior, I dated a boy who was two years older than me and he had already graduated high school. He was LDS, but he was not planning on going on a mission. And I was very adamant, like, if you want to have a future with me, you have to go on a mission. And he did. And Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I played a part in that. But that was just, like, my mindset when I was in high school. I was like, this is my plan. I am only going to, like, I'm not going to end up with a boy who doesn't go on a mission. I'm not going to end up with a boy who can't take me to the temple. Um, and like, I was just full, fully practicing that yeah. all I, through high school. I think that's like for a lot of youth oh, in the yeah, church totally. because like, I remember, you know, they ask you in church, like write down qualities of your husband. And like, instead of, I felt like instead of qualities of like nice, funny, like those kinds of qualities, it was like, has to take me to the temple, yeah. has to go on has a mission, a has mission. to hold the priesthood, mm-hmm. ha- like all these church things. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I was, I felt the same. I didn't date Mormons in, in high school, but yeah, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, but I will say I still had lots of friends who were also non-members at my high school job that I worked at. Pretty much no one there was members. We were all really good friends. Like I, I was definitely like normal. Like I had normal friends. I did normal things. I was just like very churchy at the same time so that was kind of my growing up in the church overview so when I went to to college at SUU it was pretty much more of the same I did not go to church as often just because I feel like that's normal like when you get to college you just want to sleep in or I don't know watch tv instead of going to church so I didn't go as much but I was still like very dedicated to it and I started dating another boy my freshman year. He also went on a mission. This time I didn't have to force him to go, so that was good. (laughs) 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 Um, And then, like, throughout college, I dated a lot, um, but I mostly would only let myself date members because, again, I was just, like, really intent on getting married in the temple, and you can't get married in the temple if you're not 
if it's not if it's not someone who's LDS and like worthy LDS so I guess kind of just like dating around and then when I was a junior in 2012 is when they changed the mission age so basically before like before this age change girls had to wait until they were 21 to be able to go on a mission and men could go and they were 19 um but in 2012 they changed that so boys could go when they were 18 and women could go when they were 19 and I was 19 when this happened so I remember that I had I was (laughs) I was on a date for some reason watching general conference (laughs) and general conference is like this church-wide meeting that happens twice a year once in April and once in November October um and it's like televised so you basically just watch it on tv and it's all the like main leaders of the church giving talks so like the prophet and then there's 12 guys under the prophet who are also like major leaders and that's kind of like the leadership of the church so that's what I was watching on a date for some reason and (laughs) um I remember them announcing the mission age change and the guy that I was with immediately turned to me and was like are you gonna go and I was like I don't know like I've I had never thought about going on a mission I was like that is not for me I'm not doing that ever and then I was like I need to go home so (laughs) I bailed on the date because it was getting real awkward um and this was a guy had only been on like two that was like our second date and he was asking that like he was in a panic that I was gonna go on a mission and like leave and I'm like Uh why does this matter to you like you barely know me so (laughs) I was like bye and then I went home and I just could not stop thinking about it and like thinking about him asking me that and thinking about like if I should go and I went home and all my roommates were there and we were all like what does this mean for us like are we going like what's going on and I think everyone was kind of feeling that like it was a very the feeling was like a very um panicked like oh everyone's going like should we go should we go everyone was like are you going are you going Um, and so I had, I think five roommates at the time. One was not LDS, but the rest of us were five, including me. And, um, two of us were like seriously thinking about going me and one other girl. And so I pretty much like went to church a couple of times and I was like, I really feel like I should go like, like this is a sign like why would they change this like everyone was going so there was like a lot of peer pressure and so I decided like okay like I'm gonna go and I told my family and I started filling out the papers so when you go on a mission you kind of have to like have all these interviews to make sure you can go you have to visit the doctor visit the dentist and fill out kind of like an application so I started doing all of that I went to the doctor, got that signed off. I went to the dentist. I don't even know why you have to do that, but <laughs> got that signed off. I had all the interviews, my bishop and stake president, they signed off and all I had to do was hit submit. And I could not do it. Like I was like losing my mind. And I remember like one day after class, I was just like losing it. Like and I like went put on my running shoes. I ran into the mount I ran <laughs> ran, into I the, ran mountains. Into the mountains. <laughs> I ran up this trail that kind of like goes up the mountains and at a certain point I just like veered off and like went into the bushes and like was climbing up. 
And I was just like praying, like, should I go? Like, I don't know if I should go. And I got nothing. Sounds familiar, Joseph yeah. Smith. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and I, so I didn't, I didn't feel like I got an answer. And so I was just like losing it. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Like, I have no idea what to do. And my parents were like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Like, it's, you can go, like, it's fine. Yeah. Or you can not, like, we don't care what you do. Which my parents have always been awesome like that. Like they always have left things up to me, but it sucks at the same time because <laughs> just tell me, tell what, me to what to do. So I basically just like had a whole emotional breakdown about it. And I was like, I cannot make this decision right now. So I only had three semesters left for my degree. So I was like, I'm just going to finish my degree and then I can decide later. Like I don't have to decide right now. Um, but that feeling of like not getting the answer, like really stayed with me. And I was like, it kind of made me think like, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe there is no answer and that's the answer. But at this time I was still thinking of that, about that in like a church perspective. So I was like, maybe God didn't answer because he wants me to make the decision. And I think that's like normal. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people in church like told me that too. Yeah. If you don't get an answer, then it means like God trusts you with whatever you decide. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like where I was at. So then my next semester is when I met Colby, um, my husband, and it was kind of like towards the end of the semester and the question of like if I should go on a mission or not had kind of still been like going through my head but I met him and I immediately knew that it was like different and so I was like well I guess I'm not going like (laughs) pretty much I'm not going if this works out which I'm pretty sure it's going to I don't know if I should explain this but in the church when you like are deciding to get married there's this expectation that you and your boyfriend or fiance should like spend a lot of time praying about it and like making sure that you make the right decision because um mormons believe that marriage is eternal like not only are you getting married for this life but your marriage extends into the next life and this is the person you're going to be with like forever and ever and ever so it's like a huge decision so the expectation is that you would take that seriously pray about it a lot like get blessings if you need to um priesthood blessings (laughs) just receive blessings receive all the blessings (laughs) um manifest and yeah so basically take it seriously but um i never did that (laughs) um I never once prayed about it like never and we could I don't want to speak for Coley but I'm pretty sure we could ask him this and he would say the same thing that he never prayed about it is there a reason why like were you I guess like were you scared to receive an answer like no you shouldn't marry Colby or no I think I just like I just really relied on my intuition that it was true and I think at the time I would have said like I don't need to pray about it because I constantly am getting like the prompting this is what I should do. But looking back, I think like I'm just a very intuitive person and like me and Colby just like clicked. Like I never really had a doubt that it would work out, I guess. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but basically (laughs) temple marriage was obviously still the goal. And so, um, 
we like stayed worthy to go through the temple and made all that happen and we got married the next year also just like the temple marriage is like what makes the marriage eternal yeah so like that's the difference between like a temple marriage and Mm -hmm. a civil traditional wedding yes um so yeah the temple marriage you like go in the temple and only people who are worthy to go in the temple can come so it was pretty much just like our family and like older relatives um my brothers were not there like pretty much none of my friends were there so we did that that was in 2014 um after that things were pretty normal so after we got married we moved to salt lake i had just graduated and we moved back from st george back up to salt lake and we were pretty active in the church at that point so um we moved into an apartment and started going to church i became a young i got a church calling to be a young woman's leader so i was like one of the leaders over the teenage girls age 12 to 18 um and as things went on like i think we just i kind of like started to feel like i didn't really fit in and that some of like the things that I believed in my personal life didn't always align with the things that I believed in the church. And so this was just like the very beginnings. Um, and like, I liked my ward. It was kind of like an older ward. So there weren't, we didn't have very many friends at church that were our age, which was fine. And so this was, went on for about like a year to a year and a half. And then something happened, which was the, church made an announcement that children of gay parents could no longer get baptized until they turned 18. And this was like a church-wide like shock. Like uh, lots of people were really angry about this. Um, I think the way that it happened was it kind of like leaked because it was like in a handbook that no one really knew about. And then someone found it and it became this thing. But I think that I was just, like, very hurt and, like, I didn't understand why they would do this. Because, like, in the church, like, they believe that homosexuality, acting on homosexuality, I guess, is a sin. And so if you are in a homosexual relationship within the church, you can't go in the temple. Um, You're basically, like, ostracized. A lot of people are very against it still and so this was kind of just like another punch to the gut like you're not welcome here and i think this was like a this announcement was a huge turning point for a lot of people because um like i remember i don't know if it's picking my voice (laughs) i remember it like it wasn't like a turning point for me like it was for you but it was definitely like another like put that on the pile mm-hmm. kind of thing like this is another thing and yeah. like i know for eric this was a turning point for him mm-hmm. so like i think a lot of people our age especially it was like a huge deal yeah and i think for me it still wasn't a turning point which i'm still like embarrassed by Like, I wish that it had been more of a turning point for me. And it was extremely painful to me, but I just rationalized it. I was like, there's got, there must be a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe we don't know all the answers. And that's something you hear in the church a lot. All the time. Is just like, if you don't 
agree with something, we just don't have all the answers. Like we can't know everything, which like is comforting. But at the same time, it's like, you can't just explain painful things away with, we don't know all the answers. And that's how, that's how it was with like all of my questions that I had growing up, like to this point, they just like brush it under the rug. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, well, we don't know that yet. Or like, you just have to have faith or like just some. Yeah. So like, I get it. Like, of course we don't have all the answers. I hope we don't have all the answers because if we do, that's even worse. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but at the same time, like I just, that's what I used to rationalize at that time. as like, I guess we don't have all the answers. Like, I guess God knows or the prophet knows or something like something I don't. So, um, yeah, basically I just like continued to rationalize that and say like, I guess we'll just keep going. Like, I don't know what else to do. So that was in 2015. And then over the next year was obviously the election of 2016. And I think these issues, um, between like things like LGBTQ issues, women's rights, racism, all of those kind of like social issues just became harder and harder, harder to ignore. And that year, like everything just blew up. Yeah. And it was was terrible. It was like, what is happening? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think growing up, I have always been like a pretty like open-minded, socially conscious person. But over that year, I think I started to like understand more and more and like realize that like I can't be silent about these types of things. And I started to think about like what that meant for me. Um, But I still just continued to rationalize things. I was like, this church is true. It's what I know and love. It's, um, It's overall a place of like love and righteousness, I guess. Um, So I basically just like try to keep going. Um, so then that year also I moved to a new ward and I became the girls camp director, which I was extremely excited for. As I've already talked about, I love girls camp. (laughs) And, but at the same time, I was only 23. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) And so I was like, what do I even do? I had no idea what I was doing. And at this point I was also kind of like my faith in the church was like steadily starting to decline. And so it was like a really hard because I really wanted to do a good job and make girls camp fun and have it be like an uplifting, good experience. But I also was struggling a lot with my personal beliefs. And I think like trying to balance those was really hard. And I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of support from people in my ward or the other leaders, which is not to say anything bad about them, but Um, they just didn't know me well. They didn't know what I was going through and they were a lot older than me. Um, so at this point, so at this point I was pretty much like started going to church less and less and like you were, I was just going to fulfill my calling and they like wanted me to come to activities on weeknights so that I could like get to know the girls but I wouldn't go. Like, I was just like, sorry, I'm busy. Um, and like, where is Colby at in this story? Yeah. So Colby pretty much has 
like the whole time we were on the same wavelength. So I think he was struggling with a lot of the same things I was. Um, he would probably tell a different story that he struggled more with like the faith side of things and wondering if the church was true, kind of like you did. Um, where I was worried more about if the church was right. Like if it aligned with your personal beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we did, we talked about it constantly and like, we pretty much were on the same page. So Um, was it like, if you didn't go to church, he didn't go to church? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And usually I was the one pushing for us to go to church because I wanted to like, I was like really wanting to find, to find an excuse to keep going. Right. Um, so like I was really wanting it to work and I think Colby was like a little more ambivalent than I was, but I don't want to speak for him, but just from like what we've talked about. So yeah, we were kind of on the same page, but struggling with a little bit of different aspects of it. Um, so that was like the end of 2016. So this was right after Trump had been elected and he was about to go into office. And in that January, probably people remember the women's March, which was huge because Trump had been elected. A lot of women were really up in arms and a lot of people of color and all of these things. And so these like huge women's marches were being organized in every city and including like Washington, D.C. and everywhere. And so there were actually two here. One was in Park City and one was in Salt Lake. Um, I decided to go to the Salt Lake one because this was like something that I really believed in. Like I am not going to like support a president who says the kinds of things he said about women. And I was like, this is important. Like I'm going. So I went and um, it was great. Like it was an awesome experience. It was so open. So like... I don't know what the word is, like, so loving, like, just like a really, like, positive experience, yeah. yeah, and I was like, this is exactly what I should be doing, and so that was on a Saturday, the next day at church, we went, and this guy got up to speak, he gave a really strange talk, and in, <laughs> in his talk, he said, he mentioned the Women's March, and he said, anyone who was at that march is satan incarnate and i remember sitting there like oh my god like this guy just called me satan and i'm not the type of person that takes those kinds of things personally like he older he was older he's an old white guy yeah and so i'm like i'm not gonna take this personally like he doesn't know that people in this ward probably went there including me but Like, that was kind of the starting, not the starting point, but just a continuation of me realizing, like, how ingrained those types of beliefs are. Yeah. And it, like, it, like, really shows you, like, the comparison of, like, like, I don't know, you were just, like, out doing a social activity versus, like, the social aspect of church, kind mm -hmm. of. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I just, like, started realizing, like, oh, like, people really believe this and like not only people believe this but it's kind of like ingrained in the teachings of the church too yeah and also i think at this point like if members are listening to this they have a huge thing of like well don't 
like people leave church because of people in the church and not actually the gospel or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like church and is like, the gospel, not the people. My mom always says that. Yeah, and so like, I don't know. I think it's it might be a good thing to point out that like you're not leaving the church because of this one guy. No, and that's thing. what I'm saying. Like I wasn't, I didn't take it personally yeah. at all. Like yeah. I'm like, this guy doesn't know me. I'm not going to be the person who's like, well, this one guy said something idiotic, so goodbye forever. Right. Um, but, and like, I will, like, even leading up to this, like, I had never cared about the um, women for the priesthood thing where, like, all the, is that what it's called? I don't know. I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but, um, like, I had never cared about that. I was like, I don't care if I have the priesthood or not. Um like there's like a bunch of social causes I think that I like I followed them and I was interested in them but it wasn't like well this one thing is wrong so I'm gonna leave um but it started to become like a lot of things that were wrong I guess so that happened in January and then pretty much over the next 10 months I was kind of like in the limbo that you described this was 2017 yeah um so I I really wanted it to work. Like I would go to church, but I would just feel like sick and angry the whole time because of like comments people would make or just like a lesson that kind of like went off the rails and got sexist or something. And, um, yeah, I feel like in that limbo or like when I was going to church, it was just like, like you're just really on edge and like hyper attentive to everything. Yeah. Well, it's like, a lot of that stuff was happening, but I don't want to make it sound like I was like, oh, this, this, this. Right. Like, I was truly there to try to find things that weren't that, but instead I was finding things that were. And so I think that was, like, really hard because I was like, I want to want to be here, and I don't. And so during that time, I, like, really felt like I didn't belong at church. I was like, people here don't not only don't understand me but don't understand like the harm that this is doing and don't care about that and um like I don't know how to explain it but like I just really felt like I didn't belong like I believe things that are very different from what's being taught here even if I like mostly believe in God and mostly believe in like the basics I don't know if what comes along with that is right and at this point I also stopped paying tithing so tithing (laughs) is basically you're expected to pay 10% of the money you make uh, overall to the church and if you don't pay that you cannot go to the temple um which is a whole nother issue (laughs) um So, um, but at this point I kind of was at the point where I'm like, I don't want to support what they're doing. Like some, like tithing goes to support things like, um, BYU and I am very against BYU, especially the honor code, which is like a set of guidelines that BYU students have to follow, which include things like not growing a beard, um, not wearing certain clothes, not... Like following basically guidelines is the church. Yeah, but they're a little more strict. Yeah. And you can get like really, really bad consequences if you don't follow them. Like you can get kicked out of school and 
basically have to start over and um, it's like really damaging and so just kind of like those kinds of things I was like I don't really want to support this anymore so I kind of just stopped paying tithing and I was like I don't know what this means but I guess this is like where I'm starting um so like I guess the same question for you um is like where was your support system at this time like who did you talk to about this like was it just Colby or like did your family know like anything my family knew nothing um I talked to Colby a lot and I talked to my friend Anna a lot about it um Anna is not a member but she's grown up in Utah so I think she knows more than most other non-members um but I would say it was like pretty isolating because I was still in like this it was hard to talk to people like you because I knew that you were struggling with the same things and I didn't want to um like sway you one way or the other because I didn't know what I believed either and so I didn't want to say like oh like I think I might leave the church if you were like still on the fence and might stay like I didn't want to like be that kind of influence right. either yeah. way, yeah, yeah. or like oh I I like believe in the church if I don't know you know what I'm talking about yeah um so it was mostly just Colby and Colby like I was in charge of our tithing so I guess I just made that decision <laughs> for him because <laughs> I stopped paying both of our tithings um so he stopped paying tithing too. And, um, I think he was feeling the same kinds of things, just like he didn't belong. He didn't want to go to church. Um, but around this point, like, um, one of his sisters had just come home from a mission. So his family was also like very, very active. And I should have said that his family is very Mormon, very active. Also, everyone's active except for a couple of his siblings. Um, and so we didn't really talk to our families at all. And I remember I talked to a couple, or specifically just one girl that I was t- like messaging back and forth on Instagram that we had had a few of the same feelings. But yeah, overall, I didn't. It was kind of just like me and Colby on our own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just gonna like touch on that like support system that you were talking about, where like, like just to reiterate the isolation of like going through it because. Even like I like I had Courtney who was also going through it, but it's not like it's not helpful to either of you because you're both going through it. So you really don't have anyone to go to, and it's just like a personal thing you have to like endure <laughs> pretty yeah. much. And it's like such a sensitive subject. Like I was so scared to talk to anyone about it because I knew it was gonna be one of two reactions. Yeah. Either yeah, I left the church and I don't think it's right, or read the book of Mormon. what are you or, like this yeah. is, what are you doing like this is really bad you should go to church and you should do this and that so I and so for a lot of my friends I didn't know where they stood and so I didn't really want to bring it up and also I didn't want to like bring it up before I had made a decision because I don't know I guess that's just like something that I get nervous about is I don't want to say something and then do something different later yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. it just like seems wishy-washy and I don't want to come off that way I guess yeah um so that was like the summer of 2017 and then girls camp happened August 2017 I pulled it off somehow um it was actually really fun and during girls camp there's usually one night 
of the camp where you build a campfire and everyone goes around and says their testimony. Um, Usually like the spirit or the feeling of like spirituality and positivity is like really strong. Everyone cries. And um, I remember growing up, like I never wanted to say anything (laughs) during those meetings just because I, um, I always felt like very awkward because I'm not like a public crier. And so I always felt like people probably think that this is very insincere because I never cry. And even beyond that, I never like felt like crying or felt like anything but just like being nervous. That's not really related to this, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think it like speaks on, if anything, like the social aspect of church, how Mm -hmm. like the pressures of like feeling the spirit pretty much when like you didn't feel it like Mm -hmm. I talked about an institute yeah and I felt like I always like felt it in a different way like I would get goosebumps or I would cry um when something like happy happened in private um (laughs) which I still do to this day like I cry constantly you're like hold on (laughs) I have to go to my room really quick (laughs) Um, but so that's what I was always taught. Like, oh, everyone feels the spirit in different ways. Like if you get goosebumps or something like that's the spirit. And so I was kind of just, that's what I always thought. But I was very like against bearing my testimony in public because I felt like I didn't show the outward signs that I believed it. Even though like for a long time I did. Um, so at this girls camp, we were going around and it's awkward too, because everyone bears their testimony, every single person. And so you can't just like, when it comes to your turn be like, "Mm, next. (laughs) That's interesting because at ours, not everybody did it. It was kind of just a, we sit in silence until someone says Mm, something. Usually what we've done at all the ones I've been to is there's like a stick that you pass around. And if you have the stick, you can do it. And the stick goes around twice. So you can say something twice if you want, which is terrible because that lasts forever. Um, Or you can skip the first time and say something the second time or whatever. Um, So that's what we did at this one. And I think I skipped the first time. But by the second time, everyone had done it. And I was like one of the last people in the circle. So, but I do remember saying like, this year has been extremely hard for me. Like, I'm really glad I got to come here and um like I love girls camp and it's always been like a safe space for me and like thanks for letting me come with you even though like none of you guys really know me because I hadn't been in the ward that long um and at that point that was kind of like a point of hope for me like I was like oh like girls camp is something I've always loved this is like a big part of the church um like maybe this was like the sign I needed that I should stay and so that was like a glimmer of hope like maybe I can make this work because this was awesome and very like uplifting but when I came home and went to church again it kind of just like was like well I guess that was just like camp like I just I just love camping and I like spending time with like a lot of women who are like uplifting each other and like the problems with the church are still here basically like a week in the woods doesn't fix these glaring issues so over the next few months I think there was like three months or so that I was like in a really like pretty dark place like I was severely dealing with like the cognitive dissonance of I love this church 
my whole family is in it. I have such amazing memories. I've felt so many amazing things. I like this is a place that I truly love, but like what kind of person am I if I stay? Because like, what can I tell my gay friends? Like, yeah, I support you, but I'm a member of a church that doesn't like, yeah, I believe in women's rights, but I'm a member of a church who like the majority of people vote against them. And so it was basically just like, I, I couldn't morally make the decision to stay, but I couldn't emotionally make the decision to leave. Mm -hmm. So it was like really, really hard. And it's like all I could think about. Like I remember driving to work. That's all I would think about. Like I wouldn't even listen to the radio. I would just be driving in silence thinking like, what should I do? What should I do? And I was talking to Colby about this, like constantly just being like, I don't know how I can stay. Like, I don't know how I can stay, but I don't know how I can leave. Yeah. And that's like, like I went through the same thing and just constantly, um, like thinking about it and also like constantly wanting to talk to someone about it Mm -hmm. and like wanting to hear everyone's input about it. But then at the same time, like it's not going to make a difference. And yeah, it's just like this weird space that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So it sucked. So, I mean, basically the end of the story (laughs) is, so that was like a couple months. Oh, and at the same time I had told the leaders of the young women in my ward, like I, I'm not doing girls camp again. I don't have um, enough time to do it basically, which was true, but it was also just an excuse because I didn't want to do it again. (laughs) Um, but so I had told them that I couldn't do it, but I was like avoiding my Bishop for like weeks and weeks because I knew that he wanted to give me another calling and he kept calling me and I just want to answer the phone and he would like send people to my house and I would just like hide in a different room and pretend I wasn't home because I didn't want to talk to them and because I didn't want to tell them that I don't like I didn't want to be the person who's like no I'm not taking a new calling like I have stuff I need to figure out because there's a lot of pressure too that like if you get a calling and you say no, like, that's really bad. Like, yeah, you're like, basically not giving yourself to the, to God. I don't know anybody that says no to <clears throat> no, a calling. me either. And, but I was like, if they ask me, like, I'm going to say no, but I don't want to. Yeah. Like, so I just avoided them for, like, ever until they stopped calling. Um, so then a few months later, um, I was still in this, like, place where I was, like, I don't know how to make this decision, but it's like eating me alive. Like I have to decide something. So that October I watched general conference and again, and it was kind of like a last ditch effort to like, maybe there will be something in these eight hours of talks that will make me want to stay, like basically make it worth it or make me understand that this is like, a good place or something mm-hmm. so I started watching that Colby was at work so I was just watching it alone and um, so in general conference there's four different sessions and they're each two hours there's two on Saturday and two on Sunday so I was watching the very first one and one of the leaders Dallin H. Jokes, which um, I think a lot of people have various feelings about him Um, but anyways, he gave a talk, I think it was during that first session 
and it was about the family proclamation which is a document that was made in the 90s that basically says marriage is only between a man and a woman these are all the duties a man should have these are all the duties a woman should have here's why and it's something that is referenced all the time in the church and it's like basically here's a document that says gay marriage is wrong and that's like the end all and be all of it and so he gave a talk about that and basically like I had been this was right after I think there had been like some movement in the church like being more accepting of LGBTQ um like there was like the Love Loud Festival that the leaders had endorsed and there's like a lot of things and so it was like feeling a little more hopeful at that time and then he gave this talk and was basically just like it's a sin we shouldn't accept it the proclamation to the family is the only thing you should listen to and at that point I was like this is it like this is the thing that says like we this is what we stand for and if you don't, then you don't belong here, basically, is how I felt about that. And, and so, that it's, like, never going to change. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember after we watched the um, Believe movie, which was about the Love Loud Festival, like, in that movie, they really thought that at this conference, they were going to say the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, love and acceptance and, like, I don't know. And then it was just, and like, was a just shove in your face. Same. Like, yeah. yeah, this is never changing. This is what's right and I was like I don't believe that like that is not right that's not morally right and so I was like I can't do this anymore like I can't be a good person and be a part of this church anymore and so I pretty much like made that decision right then and there I was like this is it like I have to go with like my conscience and what I believe is right and this is no longer a part of that and that was probably one of the hardest things ever because I knew that by making that decision, like everything was going to change. And, but at the same time, the second I made it, it was like, finally, Mm -hmm. like a huge weight lifted off. Like I finally made the decision that I like, that is right. And did you like tell Colby like right then or Um, I think when he got home that day, I was like, I told him about that talk and I was like, I don't think that I can do this anymore. And he was like, yeah, like I agree. And I think we, I think we may have gone to church one more time after that, maybe just a sacrament meeting or something, but pretty much like, I was like, like we're not going anymore. Um, and I think maybe, maybe there, there was still a little bit of doubt, like, oh, like maybe something will change. I don't know, but pretty much it was like, I can't do it. So yeah, it was basically like a huge weight just lifted and there was a lot of stuff that still was hard after that, that I guess we'll talk about later, but that's pretty much that story. (laughs) I think that like that that defining moment when because it's not like just a you saying out loud like 
I'm not going to church anymore. It's like a whole mental shift Mm -hmm. that you have to like accept for you to feel that relief. Yeah. Like you have to just like mentally let it go. And I think like that's the hardest but most rewarding like part of the whole process. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to say earlier was like when you're talking about like how, how you're like constantly thinking about it and stuff. And I think that that part is so hard because it's like the church runs your life. And so when you're in that limbo, like you can't continue living your life because you don't know how to. And like, Mm -hmm. I remember for me at that point, since I was single and like, I like literally didn't know who to date. And like, I had to put my dating life on hold. I, like how to put my social life on hold. Like there's just so much that I I didn't know which way I went because I hadn't made a decision. And so like I remember dating was like the hardest thing for me because I just like literally didn't like me and Kyle broke up because of this. Mm-hmm. Like because I hadn't made a decision. And so then it's like, do I date people who are like me and like struggling in the church? But like where am I going to to find them them because and like we've talked about this before too where when you're going through it you don't know anybody else is going through it and like but there's probably like a million people (laughs) that are going through it and then it's like I can't date people that are in the church because I like don't know if I want that and I'm not going to waste their time and then like the same with the opposite and I would literally go through scenarios in my head of like I need to find someone that it that either we get married in the temple and they'll be okay with me leaving the church <laughs> later or we don't get married in the temple and they'll be okay with getting married in the temple later like I literally those are the two scenarios that I went <laughs> in my head over and over and over and it just felt like it was an impossible thing to find and yeah then that like relief of just not being in the church anymore and it's like doesn't matter who I date now (laughs) like well and I think there's like the um when you're thinking about it and like thinking about making that decision you like I thought a lot about like well how will I tell my family will my friends still want to hang out with me I have no idea like I don't know which of my friends are accepting or will understand I don't know which ones aren't and I remember Colby and I had a conversation with one of our couple friends kind of about it and like about the things that they were struggling with in the church. But even in that conversation, I was nervous to say too much because I don't want to make it sound like I'm not invested or I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to drag them out of the church or like I don't know if they are as passionate about like these issues as I am. And so even when you do talk about your struggles, I think there's still like that hesitation of like I don't know how much I can say. Yeah. I think like I I had a friend unfollow me on Instagram because I posted a picture of a drink. Like like your whole social life is just like I don't know, just yeah. like tossed up. And like religion in general is such a taboo. At least the Mormon church is such like a taboo and like hard to bring up. Like I was talking to to our friend Amy and like I really wanted to know if like they go to church and stuff mm-hmm. but like I was so scared to ask that and like I don't know why like yeah like I should be able to just be like oh are you guys still going to church you know but it's like uh but I don't I don't know like I don't want to sway them and be like oh I want you guys to not go to yeah. church and that's you why don't I'm asking be that person yeah who's and like 
people are going to say, oh, who have you been talking to? And it's like Melissa or yeah. Shannon. And they told me all these things. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. You know? It's like, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I just want to know. And like, I... I don't want to sway people one way or the other. And like, if people do ask me and like, I don't know if there are people that are like struggling, I, I'm still not like, don't be like, don't go to church or whatever. Yeah, I, no, me I think it's just like bottom line, you need to do what it makes you happy. Yeah, and like, right that's always you. my response mm-hmm. to people is like, whatever makes you happy. And it, it, it's like a pet peeve when people in the church like have such that like hard like you need to be in the church like yeah why can't I just do whatever makes me happy like yeah I have a lot to say about that oh yeah <laughs> I know like, save it for yeah we'll episode. do another episode because <laughs> I have uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a long series yeah and but I'm no excited. I think it's cool like how different our stories are yeah because I think it really shows like you can't judge a book by its cover. Like, and I think when I left the church, it was a huge shock to a lot of people because from the outside, I look, it looked like everything was fine. Um, and so maybe it did look like one day I was just like, Oh, I feel like, you know, drinking coffee. See you guys. Yeah. But like it was a buildup over so long and there were so many like emotions and thoughts and, um, like struggles that went into it and I think that's the same for everyone and everyone's story is so different so you yeah. like really can't just brush it off with oh they weren't trying hard enough yeah and I think another like um, difference is like you with which you didn't talk about like telling your family and stuff but like you did have to like actually sit down with people and tell them and like where like me I didn't really ever tell anybody like Mm. there wasn't like a defining like I'm not going to church anymore it just kind of was a thing that like happened over time and like it did for you as well but that's um like you having to sit down with people and tell them makes it seem like it was such a like abrupt thing and okay so yeah that was our first episode about our whole experience in the Mormon church. And we're going to have like a lot more episodes talking about different aspects of it. I feel like a lot of people listening will probably have a lot of either questions or like things to say about it. And I don't have that big of a following. (laughs) So, um, But, like, if you do have questions about either of our stories or just, like, the church in general or anything like that or you just have input, then you can email me at the longest email ever. (laughs) Sometimes in shambles podcast at gmail.com. So it's the name of the podcast, the word podcast at gmail. Um, And then you could also find sometimes on... Wow. Sometimes in shambles on Instagram and you can reach me through that as well. But I think we would be interested in like, if you guys do have questions, then we can read those and answer them on another episode that we do. And I mean, like, what do you guys want to hear? Like, is there an aspect of the church that you want to hear us talk about or like our thoughts on it now? Um, let us know, but yeah, other than that, I think that's it. Yep. Okay. Bye.
I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Sometimes in Shambles. The intro music was done by my friend Lucas Kathy, and the artwork was done by me, myself, Melissa. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.